Hi, welcome to the Rainbow Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Papaniklov. Rainbow and I are on a mission to upgrade humanity with fungi and expand the collective conscious. This podcast builds a virtual mycelial network of bold, open-minded thinkers and seekers. I chat with experts, thought leaders, healers, scientists, entrepreneurs, spiritual teachers, activists, and dreamers. These are stories of healing, human potential, and expansion. Tune in, root in, expand, and journey with us. Hi friends, welcome back to the first episode of season two, and I decided to introduce season two to have there be a little bit of a framework around our episodes and to place the episodes and their topics within broader themes of holistic health. So I have a prelude to this first episode of season two um, with a guest anyways in the previous recording. So if you're interested in listening to that, go for it. It's just a solo episode speaking to holistic health and the paradigm of wholeness within spiritual health, mental health, emotional health, physical health, financial, social, all of these kinds of frameworks and you know paradigms that we exist in. And so season two is, I think of it more of a roadmap where we can look to these episodes as being really educational and being able to fit within these broader topics so that, yeah, when somebody is approaching learning about health, they have lots of different tools and can really see the way that those fit into different aspects of their well-being. So today's episode is really where I want to start, which is around the central topic of why. And it's with one of my best friends, Sarah Dobson. So the conversation is really intimate and conversational. And of course, we're both really relaxed and love to chat with one another. And Sarah is the founding partner of an agency, Design of Brand, affectionately known as DOB. DOB is a specialized brand consultancy for entrepreneurs. And after studying art history and graphic design, Sarah worked closely under the legendary Paula Scher at Pentagram in New York. Sarah's both a strategist and a designer. She's truly brilliant. I'm so lucky to call her a friend and a dear friend at that and just has such a brilliant mind, a beautiful way of looking at things. And she has magnetic creative solutions that blend concepts with emotional design and her and partner's process really helped to align young brands with their business objectives. And the process is really foundational. And so we borrow on this concept that Simon Sinek developed, which is the start with why. An amazing TED Talk. If you haven't watched it, I highly suggest you do. Pretty popularized at this point. His work has really kind of gone mainstream, but really great if you haven't heard of it to check that out as a starting point, especially if you're starting a business, if you're creating a product or offering a service, it is imperative to know why you're doing what you're doing and what your effort aims to solve. And so I really love the topic of purpose and we'll do another episode on dharma, karma, and destiny. And these are kind of more Eastern philosophies, which originated, you know, in India and China, India mainly to my knowledge, which is just around the idea of one's dharmic calling, their purpose, a soul's purpose in life. 
And I went through a big journey in my 20s to really connect to my purpose. And it was, I think, one of the best things I did because it in turn gave me a lot of clarity and a strong sense of purpose. And I carry that sense with me every day when I wake up and in what I get to do. And it's very clear to me and it helps me make clear decisions and it helps to inform my ethos and my ethics and my values. And it helps me lead from the heart. So We'll chat about dharma, karma, and destiny at some point in the future. And, you know, these concepts are kind of similar to that in a way. So we speak to why and why it's so important to start with why, why it's so important to ask why and to really firm up this vision as a creative, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, whatever that may be, and to make sure that if you are running something, a business, a group of humans, a community of humans working towards a common goal, that everybody is rowing in the same direction because that why, that picture has really clearly been painted. And what Sarah and DOB and her partner Danny do so beautifully is help to create that framework for entrepreneurs and paint the picture visually of what that brand identity is and how it relates back to the founder or founders why and why they're doing what they're doing. So I think you'll love this episode. Sarah is really incredible. We touch on so many amazing nuggets of wisdom in this and I am really looking forward to the start of this season. Thank you for being here. I always appreciate if you leave us a review, give us five stars. If you love the episode, send it to a friend. As uh, always, really appreciated. So let's get into this episode. So this is Sarah Dobson that I have the pure pleasure of speaking with today. Certified bestie. And <laughs> the oh, bestie. Best title. <laughs> One of my dearest, my nearest and dearest. How would I describe you? You're a dream catcher. You are a extremely talented strategist, brand builder, idea maker, and collector. And <laughs> so many things, so many things. You are oh. you are uh, a difficult person to describe. You are uh, <laughs> just such a, a creative force that I'm. I'm so lucky and happy to have had come into my life and sphere. Oh, thank you. I'm holding back tears. <laughs> <laughs> How do you typically describe yourself when, you know, if you're telling our audience about who you are, what you do, your work with DOB, your path? Mm -hmm. And actually, before we go there, I'd like to start our podcast with just something we're grateful for in this moment. So let's back up a bit mm -hmm. and maybe start there. And have a little share. Well, you know, I'm in my apartment and it just came to me, you know, how special of a space this is that we used to live mm. in this building together. And yeah, I'm feeling just incredibly, this is so cheesy, but maybe this is going to be a theme today, you know, <laughs> in owning your cringe and cheesiness, but <laughs> I'm just so grateful to be alive and everything that that encompasses truly, like all the little good and bad and all the little, like I was reading on the bike this morning and the sun popped out and I had a leftover half <sighs> a hamburger for breakfast and just all the stupid little stuff. I love that. It's so funny that you say that because last night I was like washing my face and I was like, 
is it so annoying that this is just it's so good it's like it's so good to be right. here it's so good right. to feel alive and and is that like annoying for people to hear i don't think so i think it just depends on where you're at and all of like so many things but it's i think we all need that reminder that like holy shit, we're alive I think that in reflecting on, you know, our friendship kind of going into this conversation, that was like one of the things I love most about you, just like that, like unbridled enthusiasm for things, which I think people are often kind of tempered to or tempted to, you know, hold back or be kind of cool or whatever. And I just love the big fan and like (laughs) big fan energy big fan energy like yeah I've always felt that and it's what an amazing relationship to have where you can just kind of <laughs> speed each other and pump each other up with with all that good stuff oh yeah <laughs> I love that so much okay so that's what you're grateful for I would I would have to like really echo that I am what am I grateful for today I am grateful for it's so cliche and I think everybody can relate to it when they go through a feeling of Uh, having their health compromised. But Mm. so I pinched a nerve in my neck yesterday and was in so much pain. And it's those moments where you're just like on the floor, like really just your health has been removed from what it usually is. And you have to like rest Mm. and really notice that, yeah, truly our biggest form of wealth or whatever you want to call it in our lives is just like a strong physical body that can Mm -hmm. move us through the world and it's so just so easy to take for granted little things like moving your neck just like literally turning right or left and having mobility and agility and so having that taken away and being in pain and there are people that are in chronic pain all the time yeah is like whoa my heart like you have days where you feel that and it's a big thing to move through whether it's for a short period of time and definitely for longer periods of time. So just feeling grateful for mm-hmm. my body and how it mm-hmm. heals. That just made me think of how, you know, you're such a health is such a tremendous sort of value and focal point in your life. And for you also to have had many of those kind of moments and sort of troubles, I guess, with mm-hmm. with your health and things you've had to face, like in a way to be grateful for the juxtapositions of those things and really yeah. bringing that into focus is yeah so interesting. It's so interesting. It's really so interesting. It's like most people that are in health got mm-hmm. here because something happened right. to make them realize, yeah. like to really make them realize the gravity of like what we can lose. And to want to treasure that so deeply. And for me, that was like when I was 14, that started. So like, I've been on that on this for so long. It's so cool. Yeah, just to connect those dots. When again, we're going to talk about, you know, all the little dots that connect to bringing you into what you're doing. Yeah. So let's go back to you and what you do, your path, your journey, how you got to building what you're building. Absolutely. Yeah, it is so fun to right, connect all those little dots. And I was looking back at, you know, everything that brought me to doing what I'm doing, which, you know, in the simplest terms is branding for entrepreneurs. <laughs> but yeah, sort of looking at that phase of life where I didn't even know what graphic design was, right? And like looking at those little seeds of 
things that I used to love to do, like decorating the cover of my agenda throughout high school <laughs> and the inside <laughs> of my agenda. And, you know, all my friends would like love looking uh-huh. through it. And that was, you know, something I looked forward to tremendously every year was getting that fresh agenda and you know decorating people's lockers you know like picking out all the stuff to bring them bring them joy on their birthday on their lockers and cars and and then even sort of that era like before I really understood what branding was choosing to study history and art history and being drawn to I guess just sort of understanding the context of how things happen and through art history obviously style trends and style over time Mm -hmm. and and artistic expression and I mean there was like there's like a really big life event that Mm -hmm. was traumatic and catastrophic in ways that Mm -hmm. guided you to a new place and and I think like your study at Parsons and life in New York and like all that came from that was like a really big part. Probably. I don't know what you were studying. Like you were, you had just finished university or you were in high school. Yeah. I finished university and I was interning at a a magazine, which is when I kind of realized what graphic design was. Right. It was when I, you know, my mom set me up for a coffee with her friend who was the beauty editor at wish magazine in New York. No, this was in Toronto. In Toronto. And so I was peppering her with questions about her career. And she said, you know, if I could do it all over again, I would want to be in the art department. I just love the people. And, you know, it's just a fun place to be. And so I was like, all right, I'll, uh, cool. Look I'll try that. Cool. And that was when I applied to both OCAD and Parsons. And through, yeah, the those sort of uncontrollable events, decided to go to New York. And that was just a time of exposure to things I never could have dreamt of really like I worked on a book at Vogue and interned at Teen Vogue and I worked for the founder of Bumble and Bumble and I was so lucky yeah to work at you know sort of the holy grail of graphic design or design Mm -hmm. consultancies called Pentagram for the first female partner there and just learned so much from her and had so many incredible experiences there and And then, yeah, and then you were obviously such a huge, played such a huge role, honestly, and in me figuring out how to weave all my experiences together, I guess, yeah, when we met and became friends at a certain point, you sort of pointed. You mean when I followed you around the party? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, that's my friend right there. I'm just going to literally attach myself to her. (laughs) That was my memory. I was like. I was literally like, I am I being annoying? Like I'm literally following this girl around. <laughs> <laughs> no. We both showed up. So okay, so we we were invited to our friend Kate's baby shower. Yeah. And we both showed up like, embarrassingly late as we are often oh, terrible. <laughs> uh, known to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved Kate when I, I remember <laughs> saying to her, you know, I met Tanya. I really love her. And she was like, Oh, I knew, I knew this would happen. <laughs> Of course. But yeah, at a certain point, I guess of us in our blossoming friendship, you pointed me toward this program that really helped me analyze all of the ideas I had. I knew I wanted to start a business and then, and yeah, really analyze, you know, how I love to spend my time 
things people would actually pay you for, who you want to work with, like what impact you want to make and all these various factors. And that helped me land on mm-hmm. doing what I'm doing now in DOP. And then just like designing and kind of codifying a process around yeah, around that. So crazy. And then Rainbow was your first, literally? First well, client? yeah. I mean, they were, we did Greenhouse. Danny and I did Greenhouse like over 10 years ago while we were still in New York. And then, yeah, when I moved back to Toronto, I went in-house for them for a little while. And mm-hmm. Rainbow, yeah, we did that, I guess, before DOB too. Yeah, technically. And it's so cool too, because both of us fostered something really huge for each other in that process like we were both really much in that ideation and yeah you really saw the early days of our process too because you've now seen it's evolved so much even since yeah it was just I love and I always say this like I love the early stages of building anything where it's just pure creation mode pure creativity brainstorming mind mapping the way we like organically kind of came together. Yeah. yeah. Ceremony on the bedroom floor, like reading books, like just, it can be so fun. And well, and meditating, right? Like we, yeah, and we meditated. We, when we were <laughs> together doing the naming, we had like a really fun night of brainstorming. And then in the morning, I remember you were like, do you want to meditate with me? And we sat beside the window meditating, sort of freestyling for a while. And then I remember coming out of that. It was like, it's rainbow. It's rainbow. <laughs> yeah. And like, that was the last word on that page. Like, I will frame that. I should already have that framed. I still have it, of course. But like, that was, it was like glaring, glaringly obvious, and yet hadn't really grounded itself until after that morning and that meditation and but I think that's an incredible lesson and a really nice take the way I've been thinking a lot about you know creative processes and this rhythm and honing of you know brainstorming and letting things kind of flow and creating and then switching into that kind of analytical mode but also Mm -hmm. that the role that not analyzing can have in helping the with the analysis and just yeah. that intuition and yeah and honing in on all of that mm-hmm. I think it allows for people to make something that's maybe a bit more true to them too like I think there's just a lot of Great you know we're, we're gonna yeah like go into this big discussion about our why and you mm-hmm. know some some things around purpose i think it's just really like you have to bring a lot of awareness into what you want to create and make sure it's really truly yours to an extent like it's you feel so connected to it and i always say this when people ask me too about like what do you think people need to like pursue their passions and i think Mm -hmm. it it has to be authentically your why and your vision and something that is in your blood Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't I saw this quote the other day that's like, when you can't buy into like the why and the vision, it's it's called stress. But when mm-hmm. you're like, when you're in that process and when that why is something that you feel so connected to, it's just, it's passion. And truth, right? Like that's what my approach has always been in trying to help people. And when they're trying to articulate their, you know, their vision is like, how do you bring what is absolutely true through emotionally through the name and the experience and visual identity and all all those good things because that really helps 
people intuitively trust the company, right? When it's when it's actually a true mm-hmm. thing, and and that's so so important and so valuable to not have people feel any sense of confusion or you know everyone and rightly so is so <laughs> sensitive to and, and and i think more aware of the ways that they can be kind of misled through you know marketing efforts in some cases um, yeah and so it's just incredibly valuable for that mm-hmm. i would like to segue us into yeah a discussion around i think there's like lots of maybe ways that some people use different words and language to describe this but yep, this absolutely. concept of why and our big why and something that Simon Sinek developed, which I think, yeah, there's a lot of terms. There's like BHAG I've heard thrown around, big, hairy, audacious. Yeah, North Star purpose, all that stuff. And it's all semantics, right? I think the way that we like to do it is, you know, as you know, your vision for the world being a better place, right? The impact that you want to have. And and I think that everyone can design and phrase their thing in the way that is useful to them, right? It's just meant to be this sort of practical and felt thing mm-hmm. that is emotional. Emotional and yeah, both that motivating kind of energizing force, but also like a practical tool you can use to really assess decisions and help guide you toward that kind of big impact. And I think a lot about why it's so important now and again just sort of history changing we used to live in these sort of much more like communal local things where it was very clear you know i do this and i impact this person mm-hmm. and this is the value and the service and the interconnectivity of of everything we kind of do as a community and now that it's global and we're you know comparing there's like a million people that do this and mm-hmm. and just that kind of search for meaning i guess in in this like yeah. hyper connected kind of world it's cool because it can you can set these really sort of big, important visions for the impact that you want to make on the world and understand that you know, you're not going to solve it on its own, mm-hmm. but hopefully you can kind of guide people toward that and contribute to that shift and that change yeah. and then new problems will arise as as problems get solved. Yeah. It's really interesting. Reminds me just because it's kind of timely. You know, I'm in my master's and Mm -hmm. there is like, I've been diving back into research and like the central reason that people do research is to build on a field of knowledge and to continue just asking questions Mm -hmm. that haven't been asked before and Mm -hmm. drawing on all of the work of everybody who's built up a field or an industry or like a product. And it's really like on both sides of it. I mean, in, 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 in tons of industries, like we're really just, we are building on top of what's there so that there is this progress and progression. So, yeah. So I know within the DOB process, one of the first things you do is, is you start there is you start with that, that big why. Mm-hmm. Do you find that a lot of your founders or entrepreneurs that are coming to you are really clear on that? Or is it hard for you to define if a founder or entrepreneur is also unclear? Or do you feel like for the most part, lots of the people you're working with are like, they know. It's, it's interesting because we've been trying to synthesize our own and and I haven't even really landed on it. And for me right now, it's the collection of all of our what, big whys for all the companies we've worked on. And I'm, I'm really dancing around that. So the way I think about it with with the projects we do is all the dots are there. And I spend, I think, the bulk of my time in strategy really just thinking about how to best articulate that, right? In a way that connects 
truthfully with what the business is actually doing, right? Like in your case, you can talk about your big why, just like having a reverence for the interconnectivity of all things. And that's the general essence of it, right? Mm -hmm. But because the products that you provide and what they actually do and how that connects to painting this picture of a world where people really have this understanding and appreciation of how everything is connected and mm-hmm. and to really live mm-hmm. with a respect for that. Our place in that interconnectivity too, mm-hmm. instead of the separation, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, from there you can extrapolate the impact that that could have from the smallest to the biggest things, right? And yeah, I don't think people are often very clear on it in terms of with that sense of gravitas and the bigness of it, Mm -hmm. they're very clear about what they want to do in their story. And so I just love that kind of service. And in terms of what we get paid to do, people don't often, you know, understand, I think the value of, of those. And I think we're working still on how to help people like really use those big whys as, you know, sort of decision-making barometers as well. Um, Yeah. But it is really important for us, I think, to just, understand yeah a big important part of the essence of what we're trying to bring through with things like a brand name or mm-hmm. the visual identity or the identity in general yeah i do like what you said too about like it does act as this barometer for decision making when there is that mm-hmm. clarity of mm-hmm. where does this serve the, yeah that vision yeah. does this anything from a business decision to a hiring to a conversation? like a partner yeah right Right. Is this in service of that? Yeah. And I mean, I think for me, it's just such a, it's such a joy because I think that the big whys are so deeply connected to the founders and their stories of why they started the business and just really get at like the heart of what makes Mm -hmm. that unique, that it's it's a very sort of emotional, special process. I was chatting with an advisor, a woman I was just connected to recently, mm-hmm. who acts as an advisor at, for a lot of companies. She was, we were having this, you know, big conversation about supporting founders because it is, it's a really insane, amazing journey to say the least. But she said it really nicely and she was like, I see founders as like the spirit of the business and they hold mm-hmm. this soul like the true soul of of a business. And it's so important to like find people that really get that and that can support that because it's hard to replicate. Uh, it's hard for anybody to like really grasp mm-hmm. that soul like a founder can, especially be, like, you know, they created it, it's theirs, it's part of them. I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of us too who are just like so connected to these businesses. And I find, you know, my at times struggle with that, which is just like, it's such a part of me. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard to scale to an extent. Like you have to be really mindful. Yeah. And that the boundaries that you create, like that enmeshment with what parts are you and what parts are the business. And I think that's a really lovely way to put it, though, that the founder spirit is sort of woven throughout and and the journey, right? That's I think where I kind of take a bit of issue with like the BHAG and the, like the North Star or whatever. Like it's like some goal that you're trying to reach instead of mm-hmm. a more expansive kind of guiding spiritual kind of thing. Yeah. Also so basic, like like a competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like basic in the way that like if you meet a kid, like 
they're literally going to ask you why until they turn blue. And I remember right. when I was like maybe 12 or, you know, I hadn't really had a, a lot of experience with anybody, uh, any younger kids in a long time and our mm -hmm. neighbors had like you know a three-year-old who just would we would he would come outside and play with us and i would walk around with him and he would literally just look around like pointing literally making sounds like this oh like <laughs> in amazement of like a flower and then at a tree and then a flying bird oh. and he would literally just be like why 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 and i, I was like i literally think that's you and i when we're outside <laughs> together we're just like it's so cool and like you remember yeah. being in Tofino and just like oh my god like what like yeah. every little thing it's the best well it's, it's funny best. because you know I think that's an interesting process in terms of trying to find your why that Simon kind of helped me I don't know if you want to talk about that but yeah. kind of helped me like unearth as well so Simon, uh, you know, I I watched his start with why talk when I was sort of trying to codify my own process and around branding. And then I was fortunate enough to meet him in 2018 and become friends. And I remember when I first met him, you know, I told him what an impact his his work had had on me. And and he was like, okay, so what's what's your why? And <laughs> you know, and and I was kind of like, oh my god, like. <laughs> But then he really described, you know, how he was like, well, what, what would your friends say, basically? Like, why are we friends? Right. Mm -hmm. And to your point about just kind of drilling down on the whys and that kind of existential stuff, you keep going and going. It's like, why are we friends? Yeah. And, you know, you'll say a bunch of stuff and then, you know, what is it about me? And then like, how do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd be there for me at 3 a.m. And like, yeah, to keep drilling down. And then it becomes this sort of self-reflective exercise where I'm, I've thought about that with you. And it's like, well, we're friends because we like this and that and, you know, all the same things. And, you know, when you drill down on it, I feel like you make me such a better person in so many different ways. And that ends up being a bit of a reflection of my own why in terms of like, mm -hmm. mine actually started from a criticism as well. Like I remember an ex-boyfriend who's still a treasured friend said to me at some point, you always assume the best of people and, you know, kind of that like big fan energy we mentioned <laughs> before. And I was like, yeah, okay. I think you're kind of calling me, you know, naive in some ways. And that didn't really hit right because I sort of like, I think that's like a good thing and not really a bad thing. I know it could maybe get you into trouble sometimes, but I think that me assuming or seeing the best and kind of cultivating this way of trying to bring that out and, and help people communicate that through their identities, through branding is like kind of my, mm -hmm. one of my special skills that yeah. connects to all those, those little dots in my past. And yeah, so I guess that's sort of a mangled way of yeah guiding people toward thinking about their own big whys. I love that. That, that just made me start thinking about too, like what, uh, <laughs> as we get older and you some people say that when you get it's harder to make friends as you get older which i think maybe because i'm also like extroverted to an extent and really in like enjoy meeting people mm -hmm. it's not that hard for me personally but i know mm -hmm. that it is but you know one thing i just think like one thing that i love about our friendship is that we are and we always have been like talking about ideas and I think that you're so mm -hmm. good at that and it's such a central part of who you are is that you're thinking about things in such an interesting way and 
you have a lot of ideas and that is quality conversation when you can have friendships that you're like i've never resonated with like girls that talks about other like just gossip has never been a thing for mm-hmm. me so i've mm-hmm. circled in and out of different friendships where that's a central theme because i just have nothing to say i don't care Absolutely. and yeah. So meeting other people where you're genuinely talking about ideas and big picture things is so exciting and uh, can be hard to find. And also when you find it, hold on to those friendships and people and be around them as much as possible because it really does transform your mind. And you start to realize that there's just growth and interesting perspective and ways to open your mind when you're just constantly ideating or asking Mm -hmm. why or asking Mm -hmm. how can this be improved Mm -hmm. and yeah appreciating the interconnectivity of all those things and you know I feel like that's such a you have this like ease and patience with things like you never force things you know you've been so graceful I think in terms of like helping guide me toward being like a healthier person it feels like I don't know. I can get so like deep on this, but you know, I always joke about how you are so knowledgeable about health stuff and supplements. You never force anything on people or judge, you know, people. And I've like come full circle around really (laughs) understanding a lot of those things now. And it's just this like, yeah, this beautiful letting and ease and like gentle guidance and kind of mentorship that you just kind of have like intrinsically, which is. Really beautiful. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm grateful that you're receptive. I feel like I've definitely probably learned my lessons and how hard to force, <laughs> whether mm-hmm. it was like with ex-boyfriends or family. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do me. And I hope that that rubs Meeting off to by example, yeah, yeah. the people that totally. want to go there. Okay. So what do you think about us in our existence on social media and in our mm. virtual worlds where there's like, let me guess, yeah, kind of moving back to the brand piece for a second. It's like, it feels like everybody has a personal brand now because of mm-hmm. whatever you niche yourself into on social media or Twitter or TikTok or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is that necessary? What do you think about mm-hmm. that terminology being used so frequently in that space? What? the highest level, like to think about branding as understanding, right? So I think you're a great example of having like a really strong personal brand that isn't really rigid, right? You you can have all these like different interests and it can evolve. Your opinions can change. And I think that people understand that about you, anyone who like follows you and that, you know, I think really rigid personal branding can be very dangerous, right? I'm the blank person. Mm -hmm. And it can be very limiting, of course. Someone in my class I'm taking recently told me that like Marie Kondo is now like, I have a bunch of kids and my house is a mess. And like, you know, (laughs) like just basically is completely, (laughs) you know, and I'm just like that, you know, mind blown. And like, oh, that's just... Mm-hmm. just this like incredibly powerful moment right in in personal branding where you've developed yeah. this whole identity around a very specific thing and now you're just choosing Oops, to- yeah. yeah yeah exactly and so I think having a sense of your brain you know I've kind of struggled with this too like I think it's tremendously valuable to know that you're clearly understood and to have a clear identity that helps you express your truth, communicate that, but for it not to be taken with that 
traditional understanding of branding like a corporate logo and what we stand for and to have it be a lot more fluid. A friend who I interviewed a little while ago, Natasha, she said something that I loved Mm -hmm. so much, which was just like, you know what, I'm going to say this today, but this (laughs) is today and a year from now, (laughs) I'm probably going to say something else on the exact same topic just because it's not meant to be static. It's meant to be evolving and growing and completely. I had a conversation with my cousin who I hadn't seen, you know, in many years since pre-COVID last night, where I apologized for a conversation we'd had kind of mid-COVID on, I don't know, a pipeline issue or something crazy where I'd had some really strong opinions that it evolved. And it was really, it was kind of a beautiful moment because it was, yeah, the conversation was so situational to what was going mm-hmm. on at that time. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, those were special moments <laughs> where you can reflect and evolve. Yeah. When you were chatting before, you said something about that I really liked just in relation to like art history. And mm-hmm. when you think about, I've never really thought about branding in this way, but when you just think of an artist like Picasso or Monet, like that's just a style of like a signature that mm-hmm. these artists would have inherent to them that I think that personal brand piece can come back to in a way, like we're not Monet. Right. <laughs> we're and not how Monet, artists but- have different chapters in their careers and different, yeah, sort of explorations of of styles of expressions around different things that they're interested in. And yeah, that's why obviously brands change sometimes mm-hmm. depending on depending mm-hmm. on the context sure. that they're living in. And yeah, I think that it's such an interesting thing with branding too, right? To not really have, to try not to have a particular style, but to prescribe various aesthetic elements or weave them together to try to create something new out of sort of existing things, but having a reverence. And, you know, we talk about this going through the process, like what this typeface evokes, what this color palette evokes, what this symbol and what that sort of collective impression is emotionally and content wise too like how does it yeah really Mm -hmm. weave together that kind of unique understanding of that thing and that's I think just like a a language a visual language that Mm -hmm. is fun to speak yeah I love symbols a lot and they're Mm -hmm. the first form of language like so in our psyches recognizable whether or not they've been kind of like co-opted for religion. Like we just, there's a lot that like symbology has come so far and it is it's fascinating to me. I actually like love when you're doing a naming project. I, I always find it so mm-hmm. cool to see your process because you have like mm-hmm. just books out of the woodworks on, <laughs> on symbols, on mythology, yeah. on all sorts of really fascinating topics. One of my most treasured things is my archetypes deck too, which I've now started kind of weaving into that process. It's mm-hmm. so rich in yeah. references. So, you know, often now I'll go through and pull out as many cards as I think are relevant and mm-hmm. and use that as a bit of a jumping off point. So Ooh. it's... Are we thinking about a branding archetypes deck? That, I mean, (laughs) that has crossed my mind because values too, right? We haven't, we've never really worked values into our process, but you know, we were talking about making new friends earlier too. I think that idea of it's hard to make new friends. I think when you have more clarity about your values and are more self-aware, it 
and it makes it easier in a sense to like immediately connect kind of like we did right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to inherently know you know this is someone who I have so much in common with on a deep deep level so yeah those decks are so fun also like I knew nothing about you at at the same time (laughs) like I just felt drawn to you and I, I also think that we should follow that because I, I, you know, had no no anticipation that like, you know, this person will be my friend and we'll do we'll build a brand. Like I just <laughs> I was just like, ooh, nice energy. Let's explore. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a good kind of segue. I wanted to touch on like back to the why piece and if mm-hmm. you feel it's important for people to have a strong personal why as part of like, I was just thinking like that could be a a great way to, you know, whether if you're doing like some beginning of year or at a birthday or like just like Mm -hmm. those major kind of like moments where you're evaluating Mm -hmm. the year past, the year ahead, you could do it at any time of year. But that's also a nice time to start to like weave in the process of like, why, what are my values this year? What am I, what are the things, what are the feelings I'm exploring? What am I moving towards and why? Yeah, you, again, have just been so inspiring with me and taking, like investing that time in that self-reflection and sort of developing your own process around understanding what is most important to you at this time in your life. And I think those values, you know, that values deck that we played with that I love so much has been such an incredible tool to, to keep going back to and to trace. Like I remember when I first did it, you know, you try to whittle it down to your top most important kind of values, the ones that are absolutely necessary and, you know, just critical for you. And health didn't make it into my top thing, but that sort of, you know, I struggled with that a bit. And then, you know, the next time I did it and over the course of the last year, it's become like my number one. And and so I think it's so fascinating to primarily on a personal level, but of course, in the context of business as well, to look at how you intentionally want to shift certain values, depending on Mm -hmm. the context of your life. Yeah, I mean, I think as business leaders, of course, your personal sort of why is going to be connected to your business on a level. But I do think it's important to to understand that distinction as well, to say there's this connection, but there's got to be room for <laughs> other people's values to fit in under a more of a, a business-centered why. Yeah, that was a big process for me in 2022. It's like, I think for just for the first time in many years, realizing that it's like, oh yeah, we are, Rainbow will grow and keep growing. And mm-hmm. I will grow and keep growing and we're not one. And I know that mm-hmm. that sounds crazy, like, duh, obviously you and your business are not one. But mm-hmm. I think for the first little while, like, it really felt that way for me. I think you can make the, the analogy of kind of having a kid, even though neither of us have kids. It's like, right. you know, when your business is young, it has certain needs and it needs that, like, intense care from the founder to grow and thrive and then as it gets older it has different different requirements in order for it and it kind of needs you know different expertise or different Mm -hmm. partners or different different things and you know I think to be a good parent of a brand or a kid you have to be really tuned into that and that's kind of what you're going through right Mm -hmm. totally teenage years or whatever you think I mean honestly we might even still be like in that toddler stage where that differentiation is becoming so much clearer where it's like oh like 
who is needed on this team to bring this forward and Mm -hmm. really grow it is a new skill set. And where as a founder, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Where are your skills most, Mm -hmm. most valuable and knowing that you've started off doing everything, but you can't continue to do everything or you will burn out and drive it into the ground. Totally. And it's not, it's not what the business needs. But then again, that self-awareness and the reflection Mm -hmm. to take the time to understand that and establish that operational foundation and keep that evolving is such a tremendous challenge. Whereas initially you kind of just do it intuitively, right? And you don't, need mm-hmm. to answer to anyone else and yeah well and a process that i started to dive into like in august of last year which probably just deserves a whole other episode but um was <laughs> was you know in in my like really big moment of like okay uh just thinking about the needs of the business truly mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. starting to evaluate my zone of genius and what mm-hmm. makes me sing? What does my, like, what, you know, what, what can I do that nobody else can do? And how can I do more of that thing? And mm-hmm. it's a really challenging thing to do just as a, as a small business and with a small, small and mighty team to mm-hmm. get everybody like really clear in what those things are so that everybody has that sense of mm-hmm. clarity in what they're doing. And yeah, that's been a really, really cool and insightful process too is just like spending months with that zone of genius and committing to it committing to it because there are things on that at least for me personally that in order to get the business going required me to sacrifice doing some of that because mm-hmm. daily operations and you know just all of that stuff mm-hmm. but just continuing to shift if you can intentionally more toward that yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you remember this website that you I think it was you maybe Danny pretty sure you sent it to me it's that like why website where you, okay we, so should, good. That's amazing. we should link that because link that. yeah yeah that is such a good one i remember like when it got to the final one i was like it's this so is helpful deep. i'd forgotten about that that's an amazing reminder yeah it's it's a really quick yeah. effective tool so good to have I want to ask you a few more questions too about entrepreneurs. What do you love about being one, about working with them every day? Entrepreneurship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's just that awareness and kind of passion for for growth and improvement, you know, not in this like toxic kind of forward, like progress kind of thing, but with I think that caveat of like real service and solving problems that, you know, pain points that people have, right? Like from those moments of discomfort, you know, not just like, oh, my, I could have a better chair, but like emotional ones and social ones that businesses of various types can actually help solve. And I think like entrepreneurs on the whole are really positive people because of that kind of orientation toward problem solving is like not looking at, you know, kind of all the reasons why not to do something, but the reason Mm. to do something. That's something I've become kind of acutely aware of in the past couple of years of quality that I really value from people. Resourcefulness, like in solving (laughs) those problems and comfort in getting outside your comfort zone. I mean, I think a lot of people have that maybe not just entrepreneurs but are they're certainly well practiced at getting out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. you know 
in order to help their business survive. And yeah, I I don't know exactly at what point I kind of realized that entrepreneurs are just like a, you know, a certain personality type that I'm drawn to, but I'm mighty glad that I did because yeah, they have just, you're a perfect example of that too. I just love that what I do, you know, in working with entrepreneurs has created some of my most treasured friendships and that, you know, continues to happen year by year. And it's very touching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one thing that I notice in so many of us is like this ability to go against the grain. Mm -hmm. And it's not always in like, a super rebellious, it doesn't have to be in a rebellious way necessarily, but just in a way where everybody sees a new way to do things and you stay true to that. And you're like, well, this part of the way we're doing things doesn't really make sense. And what if we did it this way? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that quality of just questioning, I mean, that's, yeah, I think about Chris and that's something I love about him in a way that you wouldn't imagine or you wouldn't kind of clock certain people as being (laughs) rebellious Mm -hmm. in their own little spheres in terms of just having creative minds that allow them yeah to question things and to not just you know it's funny thinking about valentine's day coming up like you know and and just like corporate kind of commercialized like holidays and things like that like how fun is it to to really define or create your own relationship to holidays or traditions or whatnot. I just, mm-hmm. I love that. And that's something I'm actually really trying to design more into my life is like my own relationship to, yeah, just things that yeah. are kind of set out societally for us. That also just made me think back to the scientific process, but really any writing process, mm-hmm. like any creative process, because again, I'm learning a lot of right now about how when you are writing and this comes from like aristotle who taught Mm. some of these like fundamentals but when you're writing or arguably Mm. doing anything that requires you to take a stance on like where you stand so an argument in an Mm -hmm. in in anything it's like there's these three Mm -hmm. areas of ethos pathos and logos which is like ethos is Mm. like that's what you believe this is my argument, this is my stance, this is my thesis, this is mm-hmm. my why of the business, whatever mm-hmm. it is. This mm-hmm. is like what I'm studying in science. These are my values and my beliefs, and this is why I'm doing it. And then you have logos, which is like the data and the numbers and, you know, like societal metrics of like confirmations. This, yeah. Yes, like this is where we are. And mm-hmm. here's why. These are the facts mm-hmm. to back up my reasoning or my why. And then you have pathos, right. which is the heart, which is like the experience and like what makes a human and your relationship to that. And like to make any argument, to make any business, to make any piece of writing, like mm-hmm. most people, whether you know it or not, are operating within that realm of, you know, these are my values. This is what my stance on the issue. This is why, because mm-hmm. these data sets. And this is what happened to me. This is my experience with it. And we are all kind of interacting in that way with one another and to some extent through our Mm -hmm. creations in this world as scientists, as like just as humans, really like using language and yeah, just having creative minds and everything that we do. And I just love that because it really reminded me of Simon's like golden circle in the way. And again, these are just, yeah, 
changes in it illustrates the point right changes in context and language and discoveries and and meanings of words and how these like operating systems that we have evolve and seemingly improve through use and understanding and chewing on them and digesting them and re-expressing them with our own perspectives yeah it's fun being an entrepreneur is <laughs> strips no worries it's trip. It's trip. <laughs> yeah a really <laughs> big trip. Okay, a couple more questions for you. Rapid fire, a couple yeah. of your favorite books right now. I have like a, a reading list through this course that I'm taking, which is fantastic. It's so nice to have sort of a quality media stream being kind of fed to you instead of now oh. I'm like, oh, I can't listen to that podcast. It's not in my, you know, on my on my path. It's kind of great. But yeah, I mean, over the course of the past year, I, you know, really enjoyed Lifespan by David Sinclair. It was amazing. And I was digging into a lot of those like more biohacky books like Boundless and and that sort of stuff. But this year I'm kind of switching a little bit more toward classic business foundational stuff, the e-myth, and I'm really excited to dig into some more sort of financial stuff because that's cool. something I'm trying to work on getting good financial base. So soul of money, financial intelligence for entrepreneurs is on that list, making of a manager, and just so by Alan Watts, who I'm excited about. And then yeah, like braiding sweetgrass, story driven. There's a lot. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Wow. Yeah, we will link those. Two more questions. Will you tell us about your relationship with fungi and mushrooms? Yeah, it's so obviously it kind of started with, you know, our friendship and you teaching me about it. And I think one of the things that stands out most was when we were, you gave me sort of some samples of 1111. And, you know, I was still sort of like lightly dipping toes around the understanding of mushrooms and kind of chomping on it all with you. And I remember taking them for for two or three weeks and the beginning of it being like, you know, maybe I won't feel anything. And maybe that's something that we just have to communicate to people, right? Like, you know, scientifically, these are doing great things for your brain health and whatever. And you're not going to feel a different way. But then after two or three weeks, I was like, you know what? (laughs) My mood just feels really subtly more balanced. And my energy felt really good. And And then it's just sort of continued to evolve to actually feeling like I can really utilize them functionally to cycle through them and just, you know, deepen my understanding. And I mean, yeah, we've just had so many incredible experiences along the way, obviously Burning Man kind of dosing people and then our yearly forage in Georgian Bay. And so they've just become this this connective tissue that I'm now just so grateful to be aware of. And that seems so accurate. You've been, yeah, you've been taking them for like four years almost, mm-hmm. just about since since the pilot. Did you get 11-11? hmm Yeah. Okay. I remember there was a mm-hmm. few, there was like three different groups that I did. I think that that is one of the coolest and most un- unexpected things that mushrooms, like just even integrating them into a morning routine is that they might start to just get you more curious about nature and like aware and that it's just, it, it can be so small, but just the the simple awareness of like the grandiosity of what these small things do outdoors and in nature and 
reflecting that back to us is huge. Mm-hmm. It's like a really big shift, I think, in our awareness of collectively, like with you know all of the information and excitement that's come out about mushrooms. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Well, my last question that I ask all guests is, can you leave us with an intention, a wish, or a prayer for the audience? What would it be? I hope that that idea of having that awareness and reverence for, you know, your big why and the way that everything, you know, is connected, you know, to say it comes true is too much of that, like, oh, yes, it will become established. But I just, I hope that, yeah, people are able to engage with that idea on a deeper level through you and your work and rainbow and this conversation and it's just so you know incredible to think about the ripple effect that all those things can have in the world so um yeah that that is that is deeply felt Mm, love that i also wish that I, i wish that people engage with the idea as well because it can be it can add so much meaning and i think on a really big fundamental level we are in our western culture and society we don't have like those tools for describing purpose aren't as readily available to us and in our language in our conversations the way that they are and i was thinking about that this concept of purpose in before our chat of course mm-hmm. And it brought me to like Dharmic teachings, which is like mm-hmm. probably where Arist- Aristotle, like, like Simon, a lot of these people likely draw from some of the oldest texts of this. But it's like in Hinduism, Absolutely. it is like an innate part of life is Dharma, which is like the eternal and inherent nature of reality. So it is a cosmic law that underlies all behavior and social order and and a human and it's also thought of like a soul's purpose in this lifetime and achieving that reason of of why we're here and just on a personal level like and so it's like i just think that if we can engage with that more in our culture on a personal deeply personal level about like what is how can i create meaning today and for my life and what are those little beads and stories that i can watch and make a story with through my life to help me mm-hmm. feel meaning. And I think that as we reach this perpetual thing that we're moving towards, i.e. death, it's like in that moment, <laughs> it's in that moment, we want to know that I made the most of it. I don't have regrets. I learned something. And in the simplest terms, that is life, right? It's the space sort of, of existence before death. And it's like, to grow and to change as we shift toward death is the thing to be aware of, right? Yeah, truly. What is, that's it. Yeah. How do I want to spend some time before I yeah. go back to... Yeah, what do you want to do with it? The oneness that is still yeah. here, that, yeah, that we're, like, here to experience. We'll here. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for this conversation where can people find you thank you uh dob is design of brand on instagram and my handle is sarah c dobson we'll link that all link that stuff yeah i love you love you so (laughs) much thank you 
With deep gratitude, thanks for tuning into this episode. If you liked it, hit subscribe and leave us a review. That is always very appreciated. Mushrooms transformed my mind and body. And if you're interested in bringing medicinal mushrooms into your life and health journey, check out rainbow.com for our meticulously sourced Canadian fruiting body mushroom tinctures. Until next time, peace in and peace out, friends.